This is Gareth Jones on Speed 268, the second instalment of two episodes dedicated to the car Gareth calls the car of the future. Sorry, that's supposed to be the car of the footer. One of the things about being in the cult of Tesla is that uh, you can engage people in conversation. You know, we walk around most people, we never have a reason to talk to each other. But a chap called Humza who's parked his Model S alongside mine to charge it, are you an advocate of electric cars, Humza? No, absolutely. I work in the electricity sector. Uh-huh. So I believe in sustainable development. Yeah. And this is the first car that I've got which meets both my needs of uh, a car that has luxury performance and is environmentally friendly. Have you had electric cars previous to the Tesla? Only hybrids. I had the RX450, the Lexus hybrid vehicle, and I also had a Prius yeah. in the family. So this is your first pure electric pure car? Pure electric, yeah. How long have you had it? for about a couple of months now. Done over 2,000 miles. I've been up to Scotland in it. I drive it around between London and Warwick quite regularly, and it's a dream to drive. You can charge at home. You've got off-road parking and organic. Yeah, I have. I've got sort of a three-phase charger at home, which means I get 70 miles-ish off mileage on an hour of connection. But actually, I've only really charged at home twice. Because I live in West London, it means I have superchargers all around me. And on the way home, I drop off somewhere, grab a coffee, charge up. It's perfect. It becomes second nature, doesn't it? I was astonished. I stopped here just to use the facilities. I wasn't looking to charge, but as I drove past a bunch of ecotricity chargers over there, a chap said to me, oh, there's some Tesla superchargers around the corner. I was astonished. I've never noticed them before. They're becoming prevalent everywhere, aren't they? Yeah, they're a little bit more strategic than prevalent everywhere because yeah. the intention is they're meant to charge you on the go. Yeah. And if I can do a trip to Scotland and back, that's reasonably, reasonably yeah. comfortably. And certainly if you live in either the Midlands or in London, there's enough of them around, so you're fine. And then if you can get these, the ecotricity ones, and if that doesn't work, you're charger at home. So whilst clearly there is some range anxiety which is obviously the case because with a petrol car you can fuel up in a few minutes here and there but if you just think a little actually it's not much of an inconvenience I think the difference between a car like the Leaf which is a range of 90 miles and these things which can do 220 I think is the spec of mine what do you get out of this? It's close to about 240, 250 because right. this is the 90D Yeah. and if you drive more carefully you'll get a bit more but I enjoy driving it so I drive it a little faster Yeah it's and part so of the pleasure isn't it? But the point I was making was range anxiety with a Nissan Leaf for something like that is far greater on this I think you have range concern rather than range anxiety you know you're concerned but I don't think it gives you the butterflies that you can get yeah I do think about it occasionally but I typically charge up when I have about 50 miles left others charge up at 10 but for me that works fine you just apply it to whatever journeys you have to do that day you plan a little better don't you yeah on a day to day basis you don't need to charge you can charge at home and very few of us do over 150 miles locally in a day and if you've got a journey which is more than 200 miles you normally think about where you're going to yeah, yeah. connect so yeah you think about it oh, well I'm off to North Wales and i am already got plenty to get me to the door and I know I can charge there mm-hmm. it's not an issue at all the bit I find particularly useful in this is when you want to drive it and have a car that's responsive and fun you can have that but equally on a longer journey 
actually you can use the autopilot function yeah. and you don't really realize the intensity by which you drive until you put the autopilot function on and you tend to look around and then you see everybody else driving and they're really focused on the road and the car in front of them where under autopilot you're still paying attention but you're managing the energy management system yes. and the driving management system yeah. as opposed to keeping it in lane in the distance and things yeah. of that sort and it's akin to going from a manual to an automatic car uh-huh. going from automatic cruise control to autopilot legally an interesting position we're required to remain in control of the car at all times in terms of british or european law at the moment yeah. you can take your hands off the steering wheel and so far the software it's running is doing a fine job of keeping me a safe distance and that but i would imagine as soon as you get used to being able to do that you almost want to just press the button when you get in the car outside the door and have your car deliver you are you ready for that answer are you ready yeah i must admit whenever i can use the autopilot function i do yeah but i tend to do when there's a white line on either side yeah, because that's when it works well if you don't have a white line on either side it works less well and that's not what it's designed for and equally whilst the temptation to see if you can take your hands off the wheel is great when you're first trying it out actually what you find is you get a much more relaxed way if you lean your elbow against the window and just let your hand rest on the wheel but uh-huh. let the car drive yeah and it is fabulous I mean going up and down to Scotland and that I felt very refreshed yeah well the, the levels of refinement in an electric car anyway are greater than any IEC car you know it's a quiet soft place to be they've managed to get the suspension settings pretty right on this car as well considering it's got quite a heavy battery pack they've got the balance right if you like between the firmness and the grip that you want if you're a good driver and a level of comfort and if i could get in this car now press one button and have it deliver me to my door in north wales i'd go with it and i'm a keen driver i'm a passionate driver well i think what it does do it gives you the option of when you want to drive for fun yeah and when you want to drive for fun it is a lot of fun and it also gives you the option when you're tired to allow the car to take some of the strain yeah Fascinating. I'm enjoying the experience. I've got to go, though. I've got to get okay. a move on. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very no much indeed. Nice yeah, I'll see you at a supercharger somewhere else in the country. Okay, bye for now. Garrett Jones on speed. Tesla. Man, the Tesla experience is exhausting. It was wonderful talking to Humza there. Fascinating to get a viewpoint of someone who lives with these cars on a permanent basis, and he's clearly a convert and a very intelligent man. After we stopped recording, we spoke about philosophy for a few minutes as well. Now, that's that's good. Thank you very much indeed, Humza, if you're listening to this, for talking to me. Really appreciate it. You know what it's like as a car enthusiast. If you're driving, I don't know, a 1972 dune buggy or something, if you see one going the other way, you'll flash them, won't you? You know, it does happen with these things as well, but we're pleased to talk to each other in the middle of the Tesla experience. But what I was saying about it being exhausting was, after I finished talking to Humza, a chap in an AA truck pulled over and came over to ask me questions about the car, and I ended up answering all the questions, as early adopters do. I think I've told you this story before, when I had a mobile phone in 1986, it cost me £1,500 and was as big as a van, <laughs> and it was one of the first hand portables, you know, the old Motorola 8500, and 
I used to have to answer questions to people all the time. Oh, how does it work? What does it cost? And how long does the battery last? You know, and it's the same thing. And I'm quite happy with that. But here I am back on my journey in autopilot mode. I'm just going to indicate right now and keep my hands on the wheel. And if this car deems it safe to turn into the other lane, no, it won't do it. No, because there's a Land Rover coming. Uh, so I'm overriding it now that he's passed. So still I have to get used to the whole autopilot thing and make sure that I know exactly what I'm doing. Legally, it's an interesting thing. You have to be in control of the car. However, if you have engaged a mode for the car to look after itself, aren't you then still in control of the car because you've engaged that mode? I don't know what the legal position is. It's interesting. You know, it's only one step further away from the distance-sensitive cruise controls that we have on cars these days. And, you know, the law's going to have to catch up, isn't it? Still, I'm back on the road. My short stop there, which was a bit longer than I intended because of conversation. But, hey, I was enjoying the conversation, so I let the car charge. I've got a range of 221 miles, which is going to get me to the door of where I'm going. No problem. This system works. Here we are trundling along at 66 miles per hour in relative quiet. You can hear the trucks as I go past the trucks, but you can't hear much else in this car. It's very refined, as I've said. Sorry. Have you ever seen a movie called For All Mankind? It was made by a man called Al Reinert in the early 1980s to celebrate, I think it was the 20th anniversary of the moon landing. It's my favourite film of all time, and that includes Slade in Flame and 2001 A Space Odyssey, because this is a documentary. It was a film made about the moon landings, and it only used the commentary of the people who were involved at the time, the astronauts and the people in Mission Control, led by Gene Krantz, the flight director. It's an enchanting movie. The music's provided by Brian Eno, and that makes it even more mysterious and beautiful than you could hope. But there's one line in that film where I think it's maybe Charlie Duke on one of the later Apollo missions during launch in a Saturn V. He says, uh, let me tell you a little bit about the ride. So let me tell you a little bit about the ride in the Tesla Model S 80D, which I'm in at the moment. Well, it's doing its own thing. As the traffic clears up, you can hear the car accelerating and it's just going up to the cruise speed I set. It's weird, man. I love driving. And yet, as soon as I get the opportunity, I engage the autopilot mode and let the car do its thing. That's chiefly because there's quite a lot of traffic around at the moment and it takes that level of stress out but also because I need a hand to operate my recorder so I can make this program but let me tell you a little bit about the ride in terms of bounce and recoil it's got it all under control I wouldn't call it silky smooth the suspension it's certainly soft but you can feel the road dribbling away but in a good way I don't know the overall weight of the car. I know that they've kept the weight of the bodywork of the car down as much as they could by using aluminium and polymers. 
but of course you've got those I don't know 11 billion battery packs I'm not sure how many cells there are see 11,000 underneath me very low in the car and they have their own inertia and mass so they do damp out some of the oscillations and you have to set up your suspension to allow for that which works quite well in fact I remember the Tesla Roadster which was essentially a Lotus Elise with an electric motor and 3,000 battery packs. That rode better than the Elise because it was slightly heavier and slightly more softly suspended. And I guess that's how it is for electric cars because they are heavy. That's the only downside I can see with batteries. They are heavy. And I'd love to do the maths. I'd love to know if the amount of weight it takes to put in a fuel cell and a hydrogen storage tank, is that less than the equivalent way to get from a battery pack to deliver the equivalent energy i wonder i bet it's close because zog says you know you don't get something for nothing what you win on the roundabouts you lose on the swings so if anyone knows about these things zog if he was here he would know he'd be able to do that calculation for me but the ride as i was saying is smooth but firm but the steering the autopilot the lane maintenance software is very interesting it's slow to react imagine you're looking forward and you've got two white lines laying out a lane for you left and right in front the tester has a tendency to i would say understeer it continues straight on until it sees a line then it adjusts to turn in continue straight on sees the line adjust to turn in that's the impression i got now i've been told that the autopilot i'm using on this car is in beta mode at the moment it's only at beta level so we're actually writing the software for this car by using it it is collecting data it's gathering experiences and that data will go into the great tesla hypermind in the cloud no doubt and get fed back to the cars it does software updates if you're connected overnight it will do it anytime it's got a 4g connection and the car is stood still but it will download software updates for all the elements of the cars management from the engine to the in-car entertainment to the onboard charging to the communications just like a mobile phone this car is connected now that's modern isn't it connectivity we've said is going to be one of the big things in cars and again tesla are leading the way on that at the moment there are others i know who offer connectivity but i don't think anyone is using it in the way that tesla are already there's a tradition when you're driving on the m6 and you're a motoring journalist or you're in an interesting car and that is when you arrive on the midland expressway toll booth or the toll booth for the ford oscoy birmingham as we say in welsh <laughs> then when you pay which is what i'm doing now my card in get my car back get a receipt and the trick is to floor it watch this here we go naught miles per hour sixty two miles per hour and I throttle back to sixty one no noise no drama but pretty useful acceleration I wasn't counting seconds but I'm sure when I play that bit of recording back I'll be able to estimate precisely the time it took for me to go from 0 to 62 with no drama
And true to his word there to save you having to get a stopwatch out and play that section back and time it, Gareth's done it for you. And he measures the 0-62 miles per hour time of this Tesla Model S as roughly 5.5 seconds, which, by our reckoning, is really very quick indeed. Journey update, it's now 20 past five and I'm still on the M6 just as we predicted in the Christmas edition of Gareth Jones on Speed stuck on the M6 this Christmas I am still rolling actually I'm doing 55 miles per hour that's about as quick as the traffic will go at the moment whilst I'm on autopilot I've been exploring the navigation system and it's telling me some stuff it's telling me that the journey is about 1 hour and 49 minutes to my destination and that it is 99 miles away and I have 108 miles range left on the car at this time. It's recommending that I stop at a Tesla supercharger in Stoke-on-Trent and charge up. It's telling me the screen has blinged up this little pop-up which is saying go to supercharger Stoke-on-Trent. It's on the southbound. Ooh, got to do a bit of uh, fiddling then. Got to pop over to the other side. That's awkward. And a 10-minute charge is required to get me. Now, according to my calculations, I have a 9-mile surfeit of energy in the battery pack at the moment so I should make it but I am going to stop principally because I really need another wee I've been on this road so long I'm bursting again so yeah I'm going to stop I'm going to have a wee uh, give it 10 minutes supercharging which will give me just that little bit extra I'm not too concerned because I know that there is a Shademo charging point. There are lots of different charging plugs. There's 13 amp, there's Type 2, and Shademo is a very powerful one that is on the public networks. I know that there's one being installed near my hometown, just a few miles away, and so I could charge there. But that's only going to charge at about half the rate of a supercharger. So I may as well go to Stoke-on-Trent and spend 10 minutes charging rather than go to this place and spend 20 minutes charging just 10 minutes from home. So it's a learning process and I'm quite happy with that. So I'll let you know when I get close to the charging point. What happens if I press a button on here? Does it take me there? Will you take me there? Navigate. Yeah, if I click on the button and press the navigate button to there it will take me there unless I've already passed it <laughs> which is a possibility of course actually I think I have hang on how do we zoom zoom by two finger swipe no I haven't passed it yet I'm about two junctions away on Google Maps so yeah I think I'll do that I'll go to the southbound supercharge at Stoke-on-Trent services okay my automobile's electronic, it sometimes produces bugs. My car's electric, I'm gonna recharge it. But I'm down in the park. I have to admit my first minor scare as an electric driver this time round. When I arrived at Stoke Services, I made a decision, rather than go in and get permission to cross over to the southbound side, which you need to get from the duty manager, which is going to cost me 10 minutes, I decided just to use the Ecotricity charging point here. So I coupled up my car with the adapter that I've got, which couples my Tesla to a Type 2, I think it is. And <laughs> lo and behold, it was showing an error. The charger was not going to work. It said there was a problem with the recent charge. Please call this number. 
oh no so I moved the car to another charger which was completely shut down and two guys came and were looking around and I said I don't think it's working guys have you got a car to charge and they said no we are technicians I think it was Pavel Chekhov from <laughs> the Enterprise uh, who said that. Oh, no, we are technicians. Wait one moment. They opened it up, they pressed a button, it reset and started charging. I didn't even have to wave my Ecotricity card, which is free electricity, just need to register. They set it in motion for me. So it's charging. So hooray, a minor palpitation there. It's 46% charge at the moment, which should be enough to get me there. But I'm going to go for a wee. Why not? I'm bursting. Charge update. Okay, I've been away about ten minutes in the loo, and when I come back, it's got about fifty-two percent charge. So I think I'm going to wait till 60% charge and I'll be good to go. At the moment it's saying I've got a range of 125 miles and my journey is what, 68 miles or something from this point here. So I'm more than enough. But you know, range anxiety, you've got to experience something and get good use out of it to be able to then judge how close to the line you can drive next time. You know, so I'm being a bit cautious of my early attempts. Interesting that the car is saying station power limited. Charge rate is reduced. Station power limited. So for some reason the Ecotricity network isn't belting it out like the Tesla supercharger network does. So that's something to be wary of if you're driving an electric car over long distances. You know, sometimes the rate at which they charge might not be what you hope for, what the published rate is. Bit like your internet connection at home, eh? <laughs> A few minutes ago I realised that I'd left the cover for the charging point open when I put all the uh, charge adapter stuff away and I was just charging the car so I got a warning on the dashboard telling me that it was open. I thought okay, I have to make a choice here. I can do one of two things. Either I can pull over, get out the car, go round, close it myself, then rejoin the journey and that wouldn't be too difficult because I'm on an A road with a little lay-by so I could find somewhere to pull over and do it or I could engage the autopilot recline the seat enough so there was enough room to get into the back of the car leave the driver's seat wind down the rear passenger window reach out and close the thing without leaving the car now one of those ideas was very sensible. The other one was ridiculous and frankly against the law. Needless to say, my cover to the charging point is now closed. I leave you to work out in your mind which approach you think I took. I've been exploring the autopilot again. Uh, very interesting. 
um, as you can hear me rumbling over a broken white line I'm on the A31 at the moment I was told with the autopilot only use it on motorways you know maybe dual carriageways but motorways definitely and I thought okay let's see how it gets on on an A road so as I came off the M6 went onto the A500 and it's a very well defined A road with white lines defining the lanes and the car dealt with all those really well really well then we got onto the A31 by now you've got broken white lines on the left where you've got access points to driveways to houses and farms and things and watching the car in autopilot mode you get a readout on the dash which tells you what it's seeing and what it's doing it's got this forward looking radar which has a wide beam it doesn't look directly ahead but looks wide as well so it's looking as far ahead as it can for a white line and if it sees a gap it displays that in the display on the dash immediately beneath the speedo in front of me so you sort of get a projection of what's happening to the road ahead before you can really see it with your own eyes and the car responds to that i say responds it doesn't respond as quick as i would if the width of the road on the left suddenly gets wider because there was a wall that's moved out of the way it will sort of tend towards that wall it will move towards you know a safe position given the center white line and how wide the space is so it takes it a second to do that and so you tend to go deep into corners as well before it starts the turn you think you're gonna turn you're gonna turn i'd have turned earlier oh you've done it now I'm going to follow the F51 to North Wales. So it tends to drive a bit like a teenager. It's like, oh, a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier. But the software, of course, wasn't designed for A roads or B roads. So the fact that it works on those at all is remarkable. I love the way that you can download an app that will find a new way to use all the sensors on the vehicle and integrate it with the navigation and with the steering and with the braking to drive the car in a different way it's a clever and wonderful thing i would imagine there'll be a parking app in the future you pretty much just press a button it takes you to the car park it charges it pays for the uh the parking uh you know it stops the car parks it for you i know we love driving but it's nice to have the option not to as humza says once in a while it really is right navigating a roundabout gone the wrong way there i didn't say a word i thought you might just want to hear what this thing sounds like there's a slight sort of in the distance which is kind of nice and futuristic appropriate futuristic sound for a futuristic car right i've got mm, 32 miles to my location and 107 miles capacity in the battery i'm rocking it
I like a great deal about the Tesla Model S. I like the fact that it's got a range that's useful over 200 and something miles in general use. I like the fact that it's got its own dedicated charging network which works unbelievably quick. And it does. I like the fact that it's got auto park. I love the fact that it's got autopilot which takes the stress out of very boring parts of journeys. I love the fact that it really is a performance car with an acceleration equivalent to a Porsche 911 I believe. But what is it I like best about this car? I think it's the fact that it's made by a man who's also got his own space program. Tesla is closely related to SpaceX and SpaceX are doing remarkable things in space. I'm a child of the space age. I'm in my middle 50s now and I can't buy cars built by the people who built the Saturn V, Grumman and Boeing and people like that. So if I want to drive a brand which represents part of my culture, the space age, the Tesla Model S is the car. But more than anything, I like the fact that I was able to leave London in an electric car and the charging process and the range made it possible for me to take what is a car of the future back to the old country where I came from with no drama and lots of excitement. I'll see you in the future. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>